Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. You know, we're in one of the most important and one of the most exciting seasons of the year. Every spring, we are introduced to new beginnings, new life, new possibility. You can see it in the earth with grass growing and with, 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 with the trees putting off their shoots. And, and you know, one of the greatest spring adventures in the Bible uh, began about 3,500 years ago. When Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, it was in the spring of the year, in this season of the year, in fact. And this great exodus that Moses, when he led the children in their exodus from Egypt, from slavery, from bondage, it's celebrated each year. And we know that celebration, that spring celebration, that spring feast to be the feast of Passover. Passover is determined by the lunar cycle. We'll know it's Passover this coming week when we see the full moon, okay? Because that's how Passover is determined. In the very middle of the month, the Jewish month Nisan with the full moon, Passover this year will begin at sunset this Wednesday evening. And the Western world, by the way, you know, that includes most of us and most of you watching. The Western world and the Western church kind of likes to make everything all about us. Have y'all noticed that? Yeah, we kind of have gotten into this pattern uh, for, you know, 2,000 years about making everything about us and about standardizing everything so that we can control everything. And so, uh, you know, uh, this means that the church... Today, we do not necessarily connect Easter with Passover. We connect Easter with the resurrection. And we put it on a Sunday because it's convenient. Hello? <laughs> yeah, all holidays, you know, Sunday, Monday, we like them, okay. Well, you know, it's just more convenient to have... Easter on a Sunday and for us as a Western church to talk about the resurrection of Jesus and disconnect it almost mentally and emotionally and historically from the reason it was first commemorated what Jesus did and what we saw in the Passover for 1500 years before Christ. Each year the Passover was celebrated. It's still celebrated. It'll be celebrated this year, beginning Wednesday evening at sundown. Instead of celebrating Passover along with Israel, the church celebrates Easter. Always on a Sunday, as I said. And I can appreciate that connection because the very first resurrection happened on a Sunday morning, on the first day of the week. You know, Sunday is not the weekend. We've talked about that before. It's the week beginning. You know, Friday, Saturday, there's your weekend. Saturday, the Sabbath, a weekend. 
God worked six days, rested on the seventh, the Sabbath on a Saturday. And Sunday is the day that we call the Lord's Day because Sunday was the day of his resurrection. You know, used to, you worked all week and you celebrated, you know, that with rest, all the work that you had done. But Jesus did all the work and now we begin our week and we dedicate our week to him because the work, he said, is finished. Today, you know, this Wednesday is Passover. This coming next Sunday, a week from today, will be Easter. We'll celebrate the resurrection. But today is remembered as Palm Sunday. Most of you know what Palm Sunday is. Palm referring to a palm branch. But it's the first day of the week. The first day of the last week of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. Now let me say that again because that's important this morning to the message. Palm Sunday today is remembered. It's We commemorate the first day of the last week of Jesus' earthly life and ministry prior to Him being crucified and then next Sunday the resurrection. This week is filled with memories for God. This week is filled with so many memories. In fact, the one thing that Jesus asked us to do is to remember this week. We just did this in our uh, on-campus congregation just a few moments ago. We received communion and we read the scripture that says, remember Do this in remembrance. Remember the way I died and let everyone proclaim. When you do this, proclaim to the world how I died. That's this week. Remember. This week is filled with a lot of memories for God. And it would be nice if we would do what Jesus said and if we would remember what happened this week. It's the one thing, as I said, that Jesus asked his disciples before his death. Remember how I gave my life for you. So, what should we remember? Well, this week. We should remember that Jesus was the Son of God, but not only was he the Son of God, he was also a good man. It's important. We don't need to minimize the fact that Jesus Now, he's a son of God, but he was also a good man. He helped everybody. Everyone he talked to, they were better when he left them than they were when he met them. Everywhere he went, people got better and the devil got angrier. He was a good man. Jesus blessed everyone. Jesus even blessed those that hated him. He even blessed those that crucified him. What should we remember? We should remember that this was the week in which Jesus was wrongfully accused by his enemies. He's the one that asked us to remember the process of him giving his life for us. And in that process, he had to be wrongfully accused, even though they used some right words, but the words were twisted. He said that he was going to tear the temple down. Well, they used those words as though they were using them against him in the court of law that he was taken to. 
twisting the words. They hired people to provide false testimony against him. We need to remember that this is the week that he was wrongfully accused. We need to remember that this is the week that he was secretly arrested. You know, it's important that we remember, it's written right there in the Scripture, that they came to him at night because they were afraid that if they did it in a public setting in the daytime, his followers would riot and they would be unable to effect an arrest in public. So they came for him at night. And even then, they came armed, even with a mob, the Bible says. That's what it calls them. What do we need to remember? We need to remember that Jesus did not want his followers to get hurt. Do you all remember that? It was an important part of that arrest moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. He did not want his followers to get hurt or to be arrested themselves. And so this is the week that Jesus voluntarily surrendered himself to his enemies. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and to set him free. Boy, I like to sing that song. But, as I said, he voluntarily surrendered himself to his accusers, even though he knew that they were wrong because they had nothing of which they really could say about him that would have ended in his death. What do we need to remember about this week? We need to remember that Jesus faced his accusers and he heard the false charges that were levied against him in a court of law. A court of law in that day. And then you know what they did? Uh, They they would have judged them themselves, but they couldn't because they did not have the power to kill him and they wanted him dead. They didn't want him hurt. They wanted him dead. The highest Jewish political leader, the high priest, even backed the lies, even paid for the liars to falsely accuse him in public and to falsely accuse him in a court of law. This was the week, as we remember, that Jesus was sent to a higher court that refused to hear the case, and they sent it back to the lower court, back to Pilate. From Herod to Pilate. From Pilate to Herod to Pilate. (laughs) Nope, you know, I don't find anything wrong with him, is what Herod said. I don't find he's done anything worthy of death. So he sent it back to Pilate's court. Pilate couldn't really find anything wrong with him either, but, but Pilate, it was such a political hot potato of that day that Pilate knew that he was going to be in trouble if he didn't find Jesus guilty. He even washed his hands of everything. This is the week, by the way, that the court did find Jesus had committed no crime worthy of death, but they sentenced him to death anyway. This is the week, as we remember, that Jesus was publicly humiliated. This is the week that he was stripped naked. This is the week that he was cruelly beaten by his accusers. This is the week that even after he was publicly humiliated and even after he was stripped naked and beaten, this is still the week that it wasn't enough. They wanted him dead. As long as he was alive, he was a threat. This is the week that Jesus was taken to Golgotha. We should remember that this is the week he was crucified as a common criminal in public. 
This is the week that the whole world turned dark. This is the week that Jesus died for our sins. This is the week that Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. This is the week that Jesus was mourned by his followers and that his followers became afraid that they too were going to be arrested and tried and falsely imprisoned or perhaps executed. This is the week that the enemies of Jesus gloated. They gloated. They got their way. We need to remember, this is the week that the accusers and the enemies of Jesus and all that was good, they got their way. They still had control. This is the week in history that ended in a seeming public victory for the enemies of Jesus and in a seemingly overwhelming defeat for the plan of God. You see, this day begins the first day of the last week of Jesus' life, and he asks us to remember the process and to proclaim how he gave his life. This day began a very sad week in history. Jesus told his disciples to remember the way that he gave his life. You know, not every memory that changes your life for the better is a pleasant memory. I'll let that one sink in. Not every memory that changes your life for the better is a pleasant memory. You and I have both gone through things that we would never want to go through again. Things, however, that changed us to be the person that we are now. I don't know if I can finitely say this. I have not run it out to its nth degree. But those of you who know me know that I often remark and say that I would not change anything for fear it might change everything. And where God has brought me so far, where God has blessed us so far, I cannot imagine it took that to get me here, to get my children and my grandchildren here. But I know that the same God who helped us this far will yet help us on. Even though this was a very sad week in history, the week began with a happy day, Palm Sunday. <laughs> Palm Sunday was the fulfillment of a prophecy made hundreds of years earlier by a prophet named Zechariah. 
And even in the midst of this week, and although it wasn't going to end well, and although the hopes and the dreams of so many were going to be crushed, and despite the fact that it was going to hurt, despite the fact that evil leaders were going to gloat, despite the fact that things were going to look worse at the end of the week than they did at the beginning of the week, nonetheless, as Zechariah prophesied on behalf of God, he said, Rejoice! Wow, how can you rejoice looking into the week? How can we be told to rejoice looking into the week? That we know the week now, as we see in history, was going to be one of the worst weeks. In fact, the worst week of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. Zechariah 9, verse 9 Zechariah prophesying about that event. He said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Matthew records this moment as well in Matthew 21, verse 4. All of this. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, Zechariah, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. As Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on that little donkey. Palm Sunday. You know, the Jewish leaders did not like it at all. They were political leaders. The parties were named the the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and and, uh, there was a brotherhood. There There were different opposing political views, but yet they all focused on not wanting Jesus to come into Jerusalem to such a cry because they were concerned that he might get more press than they did, that he might get more acclaim than they what did jesus do when he got off that little donkey he rode in to fulfill what zachariah had prophesied knowing that it was going to be a very difficult week knowing what he was facing knowing that he would end the week in a tomb verse 12 says jesus When he got off that little donkey, he went into the temple of God and he drove out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Whew, that probably wasn't real popular. What y'all want to think? I mean, whenever you speak your mind in public... And you happen to be right. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be popular. Then what did he do? Verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. He's a good man doing good things. Blessing people. 
All he wants is what is right. All he wants is what is just. All he wants is what is true. All he wants is what is best for the people. This is why the leaders of that day hated Jesus. This is why they wanted him dead. Because he wanted what was best for the people instead of what was best for the leaders. You see, the leaders wanted what was best for the leaders. Jesus wanted what was best for the people. Verse 15. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the horrible things that Jesus was doing. No. When the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and the children crying out, praise God, praise God in the temple. Hosanna. They were indignant. Wow. What's wrong with people? who don't like wonderful things to be done for people who are in need. What in the world is wrong with someone who does not want the people to be blessed and be championed and be better and be taken care of? What in the world is wrong with a world and its leaders who are indignant when wonderful things are done for the people at large. You see, the minute we make it all about us and not about others, we start dealing for the devil. And let me tell you, nothing has changed. That day, the devil had the very same goals that he had when he led one-third of the heavenly host God's angels in a rebellion against God and took them, telling them that God did not love them, God did not care about them, that God did not have their best interest in his mind. The devil that day had the very same goals that he had in the Garden of Eden whenever he told Adam and Eve that God could not be trusted. And whenever he attacked them and made them question the integrity of Almighty God, his love and his care. The devil had the same goals that day as he had whenever he tempted Judas with those few pieces of silver just to sell Jesus out. You see, the devil has the very same goals today. And this is what this week should remind us of. And we should remember that the devil has a desire to destroy relationships, to divide families, to tear down churches, to bring communities into horror, to cause terrible things to happen, and no one to care as long as the leaders don't lose their position. Let's tear up and tear down. Let's kill, steal, and destroy anyone who might be a threat to our leadership without respect to how good they are or how much good they would do for others. Why does a nation make it against the law 
to help people. But yet in nation after nation, we as a church have to go in to help people who the nation is not helping, and we have to go in many times under false pretenses. We have to gain access to nations. We have to hide stuff going in so that we can help people who are starving and dying and hurting and left alone. And the leaders don't care because they're corrupt. Because all they are wanting to do is to stay in power and get a piece of everything. God help us if our nation continues to go in that direction. But even if it does, it's not the end. God knows there is trouble in this world. He is well aware of who is causing the trouble. It's the same old devil using the same old tricks. And we are called to shine the light of the glorious gospel of Christ on a world that is lost and hurting. We are reaching out not only with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with birthing more churches, we are also reaching out here in our community in nursing homes and hospitals and, and uh, you know, uh, reaching out, uh, uh, feeding people in our communities and meeting needs and counseling. Uh, it's making a difference here in our community and communities like ours around the world. Thank you. And for as long as we uh, are here and Jesus leaves us here on earth, we're going to continue to do it. So I have three things as I close. Here we go. These are simple. I didn't put them up on the screen, but these are really simple. Uh, uh, number one, just because it's bad does not mean it's over. Let's just remember that. Just because we may be in a bad moment does not mean it's over. We get through things. My goodness, you know, some of you like me, you've come through so much that, uh, you know, uh, there's so many things that should have stopped you in the past. But just because it's bad in that moment, and it can get bad, just because it's bad, does not mean it's over. A second thing is that don't stop your story here. That was the title of my message. Don't stop here. We end this week in history on a very bad note. The disciples are locked in a room. They're afraid. They don't know what to think. They're depressed. They're worried. They're disappointed. They're disillusioned. And they're locked up in a room. Why? Because there's nothing they can do. Do you know sometimes there is nothing you can do? And when you come to a place where there's absolutely nothing you can do, then it's time to just wait on God. Because while you are waiting, God is working. That was one of our points in Sunday circles this morning. While you are waiting, God is working. God was doing something at the end of this week that only God could do. You know, here we are in the United States. We in the United States are facing an unprecedented week this week. Nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Wait on God. Pray. Watch and see what God will do. Amen? Because history does repeat itself. The devil has no new tricks. Just because it's bad doesn't mean it's over. You know, for God's sake and for yours, don't stop your story here. And then number three, 
Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming. Resurrection Day is coming. You don't know how? When you can't see it and it looks its darkest. Let God have control. Pray and watch and see what He will do. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.